Today's first reading is taken from Psalm chapter 27 verses 1 to 8. Psalm chapter 27 verses 1 to 8. This can be found on page 557 of our Bible. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at his sacred tent i will sacrifice with shouts of joy i will sing and make music to the lord hear my voice when i call lord be merciful to me and answer me my heart says so to you seek his face your face lord i will seek this is word of the lord Please would you stand uh, as Gloria brings our gospel reading. The gospel reading can be found on page 970 in the church bibles. It's taken from Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 to 15. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly i tell you they have received their reward in full but when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you and when you pray do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words do not be like them For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So loving God, as we ponder our relationship with you, as we think of what it means for you to be alive and at work in our lives, uh, may you bless us, Lord. May you help us to open our hearts to one another and to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please do be seated. So, as I said, in a moment, I'm going to open the floor <laughs> um, and invite those. I'm going to stand here. Um, and invite uh, stories, your stories, um, of times, maybe recent times, maybe not so recent times, where God has been at work in your life. Um, in particular, today, we're thinking about Christ the King. Um, and so I wanted to share something about that, about what that means to me. Um, and hopefully that will help people to be able to come and share what that means for them. Um, but I also wanted to share what it means in the heart of the, uh, the Christian story, really, um, for the people of Israel. Just to, to give you a little bit of context um, if you don't know, because it is a very um, particular thing for us to think of Christ being king, because God uh, throughout the Old Testament always said that Israel should never have a king. Israel should never have a king because they had God. They didn't need a king. Um, and in the story of Israel with God, there was always this kind of you know, idea that God would show up and do these things like freeing them from Egypt. That's their big identification story. And then Israel would forget. And one of the times that they kind of forgot God was when they said they wanted a king. And they didn't just say they wanted a king. They said because they wanted to be like the other nations around them. So not only did they want a king in rejection of God, but they wanted to be like the nations around them who were explicitly um, doing things which God was telling Israel not to do. Um, and in response to that, God allows them to have a king. It's a very interesting, you know, God doesn't say, no, you're Israel, you don't get a king, it's me, remember. God says, okay, you can have a king. Um, and the king that they have um, in response to that is Saul, the first king of Israel. And if you know the story of Saul, um, he's sort of head and shoulders above everyone else. 
you know, kind of, I think, physically big, looks like a king. Um, But he goes completely off the rails. Uh, He becomes very jealous of and uses power unwisely and abusively. Um, And in particular, he doesn't have a very good relationship with a young shepherd called David, because that's actually who God wanted to be king. And so the next king of Israel is David, who, and there are many kings of Israel after that, but it is David who is the, the symbolic king of Israel, the kind of king that God wanted, because David was uh, one after God's own heart. Now, David had lots of flaws, so we, we sort of, you know, sometimes ignore all those things. However, it's the symbolism, because David was the shepherd, and so when Jesus came as the good shepherd, there was this link with this story in the Old Testament. But always this idea that the kind of king that God is, is very, very different to the kings of human beings and human communities. And that's really important to me um, as we think about Christ the King. Um, I'm going to read you a poem now. As you know, I like my poems, and Malcolm Guite always serves to give us a poem for the season. And what he says is this. Our king is calling from the hungry furrows, whilst we are cruising through the aisles of plenty. Our hoardings screen us from the man of sorrows. Our soundtracks drown his murmur, I am thirsty. He stands in line to sign in as a stranger and seek a welcome from the world he made. We see him only as a threat, a danger. He asks for clothes, we strip search him instead. And if he should fall sick, then we take care that he does not infect our private health. We lock him in the prisons of our fear lest he unlock the prison of our wealth. But still on Sunday, we shall stand and sing the praises of our hidden Lord and King. There's allusions there. I think the poem was written in 2012-ish, and the refugee crisis was, you know, really on... Malcolm Guite's heart, I think. So these allusions to Christ as a refugee, which of course he was, (laughs) even in his own time, he was a refugee, fleeing to Egypt from Herod. Um, But for me, it's not necessarily about the specific, you know, there might be specific stories this morning. Um, But I think the reason that I so often kind of in my own spirituality and hopefully kind of talk about God in a way that God is gentle and kind. Uh, you know, and I find myself often saying that I think kindness is an underrated um, virtue in our world, um, is that actually the way that I am built in terms of my DNA and, you know, my character is that actually probably one of the things that I most struggle with is 
God being kind and not being this kind of king. So I probably spend a lot of time saying God is kind because I'm teaching myself (laughs) as much as I'm teaching anybody else. I need to know that God is kind, that God is not a taskmaster, is not a tyrant, is not a domineering, you know, patriarchal lord um, ready to punish. Um, So for me, resting in the true identity of Christ as king um, helps me um, to get rid of that image, which is not the truth about who God is. Wanting to find myself actually, you know, in the lap of God, you know, in that way of uh, knowing God's abundant grace. Again, something we talk about a lot. But it's not easy. Um, that's what I'm sharing this morning, that for me that isn't easy. That is something I intentionally, almost every day, <laughs> have to choose to believe about God. Um, the readings this morning... Um, when I was doing the preaching rota, I was actually thinking we were going to do something on prayer. <laughs> so that's why the readings are on prayer. But I was happy to keep them as they were because you never know what's going to speak to people. I'm happy that the Holy Spirit does that job. Um, so I kept the readings as they were. Um, but when I was reading them, it was the, the, the end of the psalm, Psalm 27, which spoke to me most. Um, because it talks about the heart speaking, and it says, Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Uh, So for me, there is a sense of having to listen to my heart, because my heart knows who God is, and my heart desires to seek God, because this is what God is like. God is, is kind and is the servant king. Um, and sometimes my head, kind of, because I'm a big thinker as well, takes me in a different direction. Um, thinking of God as much more critical um, and judgmental. But actually, I need to listen to my heart. So that's what I had to share with you this morning. And now, it's your turn, if you would like. Who's going to be first? Anyone? I've always, always been saying how God, his timing is different from ours. So we have to be patient when we want God to do anything for us. It doesn't always happen straight away. I had a lovely phone call from my sister yesterday. My older sister. She has multiple cirrhosis and has had since she was about 21. She's had a terrible life. um, Ended up in a refuge with her two kids. Um, then managed to buy a house, hardly any money, and the house is falling to bits. Her, her multiple cirrhosis has got so bad that she's now permanently in a wheelchair. And she's struggled to get up the stairs. She's told me funny stories how she managed to get up and how she managed to get down. 
And it was all very hard for her. Her eldest son has lived with her all the time. He's been so wonderful. He's been her carer. And it must have been so hard for him not to be able to go out into the wide world. He's had to look after all this time. Now, we've been praying. She had to sell her house. She sold it to this guy who was so kind and let us, let us still stay there and pay a small rent. Wonderful man. But the house is really becoming derelict. And we've been praying that somehow, somehow the Lord would help and that she would find another place to live. And she rang me yesterday, and I hadn't spoken to her for a few weeks, and she'd kept this to herself, and she said, I just want to tell you I've got a change of address. Right, okay. She said, I'm now living in a bungalow. She's been given a bungalow to live in, so she hasn't got to go upstairs or anywhere. It's got a wet room. Crikey, so... She can get her wheelchair in there and have a shower and all by herself. Her son, at the same time, God works so wonderfully because at the same time, it's a one-bedroom bungalow, her son had found a flat to live in. So a bungalow and a flat appeared at the same time. I find that absolutely amazing. And when she spoke to me yesterday, her voice was totally different. She had life in her. She just sounded a different person, and we prayed together, and I said to her, God is so, so wonderful. Okay, you had to wait, but it's worked out okay, and that's the story I wanted to share. Anyone else want to bring something this morning? Um, so basically, I've always heard of people, like miracles happening to them. Like whenever I went to Soul Survivor, I was like, oh, this person's back is healed. I'm like, oh, I want a miracle to happen to me, you know. So um, it was in September, I started my new job. Um, and so I left loads of time to get there. I was like, oh, I don't want to be late. So off I went, typed it into the sat-nav, driving along. And the sat-nav said I was going to get there at 10 to 9, and I needed to be there at half past 8. I was like, oh, man. Well, um, what do I do? And I tried to look for other routes, but it was just loads of traffic. It was like a car park. I was like, right, okay, I'm just going to pray. That's all I can do. So I was like, please, Lord, please let me get there on my first day, you know, on time, half past eight. So I just sat there, and I was like, okay, put on some music. Let's just wait a little, see what happens. Um, so the traffic started moving. I was driving, and... I saw on the sat nav the time, like, that I was going to get there at 10 to 9, went down to a quarter to 9. I was like, oh, okay, making progress. Still 15 minutes late, well, I'll keep going. So I kept going, then it went down to 22, and I was like, oh my goodness, am I going to get there on time? Then it went down to 25 to, I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm excited now, let's see what happens. And I honestly thought there was no way I was going to get there on time, like, no way at all, because it was 20 extra minutes. Um, anyway, I got to work at exactly half past eight. I wasn't late on my first day, so I think that is a miracle in itself. This is a very old story, and I'm sure some of you have heard this story before. Uh, many years ago when Billy Graham was in London and um, he was 
having his, his um, meetings in different football stadiums. Um, he acquired a big choir from different churches and there was a, a group of, uh, of us from here and from different churches in Harrow that um, went on these, went to these rallies to sing. Um, we used to go by coach. We met in Harrow and we went by coach. And I can't remember which stadium it was, but it was way out in, in London. And um, when we got there, it was pitch black. And we were in a car park, but it wasn't a car park. It was an enormous piece of land. It was probably a derelict piece of land that they'd used as a car park for the occasion. Anyway, we got there and we had a wonderful evening. And um, when we got outside to come back home, it was still dark. But we got to the car park and there was, I can't tell you, hundreds, thousands of coaches and we didn't know which, which was our coach. And we wandered around and we, we just thought, well, we're never going to get home tonight because all these coaches and all these people and there was no lights. You know, they didn't have lights in this place. It was just a big piece of derelict land. And we, we just stood there. And all of a sudden, one of the young women said, what are we doing? We should be praying. Anyway, we got into a circle and we huddled together and we prayed how we prayed that we'd find this coach. And would you believe it, as we got sort of out of this huddle, we looked up and we saw our driver standing on top of the coach with a big notice, Harrow. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful God we've got. Good morning. Um, my name's Brenda, and um, I've been coming to this church for a long, long time now. But before I came here, I went to Headstone Christian Fellowship, which is on the Headstone Estate. And um, it was built in the 50s. Well, I used to go with my mum to the Women's Fellowship when I was about 13. And um, gradually, as I got a little bit older, I went to the Youth Fellowship. And there was a big youth fellowship there. And um, one night, we had an evangelist come to the church to speak. And he told us about God's plan. And that God has a plan for each one of us, and which he has. And um, that evening, uh, quite a few of us went forward when there was an appeal made. And we, we gave our lives to Christ. And um, I went from being a very shy, quiet person to a happy person. And because um, I'd never been anywhere or anything like that and didn't do much of my life. And um, I was so full of joy and um, singing and everything. And then at one stage, um, we was at a games evening and along should come with his cousin was Laurie. And um, so, of course, eventually we bowed up. But um, to cut a long story short, we went, I've gone on from that, um, being shy and everything, and doing such a lot of things in the church, which I never, ever thought I'd do. And uh, sort of standing up the front, doing things, joining things and everything. So 
and God does have a plan for your lives. And, um, but, and plus, you've got to be patient. I'm not saying because I became a Christian, I've become a saint, because I haven't, but God forgives. And um, I just want to say to you, don't give up. And uh, just listen to what God's saying and be patient. Thank you. There's a writer um, that I quite like uh, called Richard Rohr. Um, and one of the things that he says, which I, you know, sort of resonates with me, um, is this idea that actually we're always all connected with God. Um, and the illusion is the disconnection. You know, so it spoke to me when Alicia was talking about, you know, we kind of want these connections all the time. So these miracles, you know. Um, uh, and we, we look for those moments when we feel those connect, that connection with God, you know, most readily uh, in these events and these things happening. Um, but the truth is we're connected with God all the time. But we, we kind of... Uh, we step away from that, but it's the, it's the disconnectedness which is the illusion. God is always there, kind of right here, right now, um, always with us. We are always in God, um, and that's, that's what we have to, to learn, um, not kind of how to somehow manufacture those moments with God, but that actually... We're already there uh, in the lap of God, um, if we want to be. Thank you for sharing your stories. I'm sure there are more there that you might want to share with one another or remind yourself of um, as you go home today.